COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease include fever, cough, and sharpness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you're experiencing these symptoms and have come in contact with or in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCanvasSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCanvasSativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at ICSativaPod. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, Overcast, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes, as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this project in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon supporter of the podcast and support us. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash podcast slash support. You can also support me on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash podcast. You can support this podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 tier if you are feeling extra generous. Here, I hope you guys are having a very good one. Um, I realized that when I did our um, last um, How to Get a Card in Your Respective States series, when I did Massachusetts, my home state, um um it's when when you're when you when you're talking about your home state and you're talking about you know sort of your home turf you tend to know a bit more about it and you tend to sort of you tend to sort of want to talk about every little detail in it i didn't want to keep last episode long but there was just so much information that i wanted to get out there and that i wanted to make sure was in the episode and I wanted to make it as comprehensive and as thorough as possible that I ended up, it ended up being over 40 some minutes long and all the other medical episodes we've done have, haven't really gone beyond 20 or so minutes. So I wanted to do sort of a cliff notes version of, of today's episode and um, keep it more in line with the other ones we've done. So I'm going to, I'm going to use this time to sort of do that right now. So we're going to we're going to do a cliff notes version of the Massachusetts medical marijuana episode and how to get a card in Massachusetts. So let's do this. All right. So we're at this site called potguy.com and the article is titled how to get a Massachusetts medical marijuana card. Massachusetts became the 18th state to legalize medical marijuana in 2012. In 2008, Massachusetts decriminalized possession of small amounts of marijuana, and then in 2016, voters legalized recreational marijuana. It will be another year or so before the recreational shops open. So for now, again, this this is this is sort of 
out of date, but we're just covering medical. So doesn't matter for the sake of this discussion. But so for now, patients can focus on obtaining their medical marijuana card. The law in Massachusetts requires all patients to re- be registered with the Massachusetts Department of Public Health, DPH, before they obtain their medical marijuana card and are able to purchase or use medical marijuana products. Although the process to obtain a medical marijuana card in Massachusetts can be tedious, patients can get the highest level of experiential experimental medical marijuana knowledge and receive a recommendation from a doctor in just a few short steps. After you've received your recommendation from a doctor, follow the steps below to submit a formal application for the DPH. A process to obtain... Process to obtain a medical marijuana card in Massachusetts. If you are looking for a quicker way to receive a doctor's recommendation, check out a qualified company with access to doctors around the country. Regardless, an an individual must be enrolled in the DPH registry in order to legally purchase medical marijuana from a medical marijuana dispensary in Massachusetts. To do so, one must have a qualifying chronic health condition Get certified by a licensed physician. Once certified, you must complete an, an application with a DPH, and if approved, you'll get your medical marijuana card in the mail. Restrictions. A patient must be 18 years of age or order, older to apply for a Massachusetts medical marijuana card. If the patient is a minor, he or she must be diagnosed by at least two Massachusetts licensed physicians, as well as an illness as well as having an illness which does not respond to any other treatments and is expected to result in death within two years. There are other exceptions to the rules, including guardians, giving written consent, etc. Adults need adults simply need to be 21 years of age or older. Note that you must have proof of residency in the state of Massachusetts. Qualifying health conditions. There are a few medical requirements for patients to be qualified for a medical marijuana card in Massachusetts. Licensed physicians must diagnose the patient with a debilitating medical condition, which includes, but not limited to, ALS, anxiety, depression, cancer, epilepsy, hepatitis C, Hodgkin's lymphoma, multiple sclerosis, PTSD, seizures or muscle spasms, anorexia, wasting syndrome, Crohn's disease, glaucoma, HIV AIDS, insomnia, Parkinson's disease, sarcoma, severe nausea. How to become a medical marijuana patient in Massachusetts. If you have a qualifying health condition and have received certification from a licensed physician, you can begin collecting documents to help with the application process, including a Massachusetts photo ID, photo of yourself, From there, you must register online with the DPH. And another thing to know about Massachusetts um, qualifying conditions, if you don't see yours here, um, Massachusetts, like I said in the the, uh, non-Cliff Notes version of this episode, Massachusetts has sort of an elastic clause. They have a a, a other condition that any doctor or licensed physician or nurse sees fit that you would that you'd benefit from cannabis so treat it as having as having as sort of approving it for anything if a doctor feels that you will benefit no matter what your condition is you can get a card 
it's you know the doctors have the cards in this it's not like other states where there's only eight conditions or 10 conditions and if you don't have it good luck you know we have a we have a other that that says that a doctor can recommend or licensed professional could recommend for any condition that they deem fit so if you have a condition that's not is not listed in this episode or the previous one don't be intimidated because you can get it approved for just about anything as long as the doctor thinks you will benefit. Applying to become a medical marijuana patient in Massachusetts. If you have a qualifying health condition and have received a certification from a licensed physician, you can begin collecting documents to help with the application process, including a mass photo ID, photo of yourself, etc. From there, you must register online with a DPH. And, um, Another thing I'll add on to this is um, when you're going before you go to your marijuana doctor, um, you should get your medical records. You should only really you should you shouldn't ask your primary care doctor for marijuana recommendation because they're most of the time they're not going to really issue it to you because it's so schedule one narcotic and because they didn't learn about it in medical school. So they don't really have that much comfort with it. Or, and a lot of times they're just going to be like, no, we don't handle that. Or or the our overarching company doesn't allow us to recommend marijuana to patients. So, you know, they're not really going to help you besides um, getting your medical records. Just get your medical records from your primary care doctor or specialist. Then take it to the marijuana doctor in this section. In this section right here, the finer doctor section. As mentioned earlier... A licensed physician must certify patients before applying online. Current rules state that a patient must have a bona fide patient relationship or a bona fide advanced patient nurse patient relationship from for a certification to be issued. Once the physician certifies your condition, submit an application to the DPH. Getting your medical marijuana card in Massachusetts. If approved by the program, you'll receive a temporary ID to print at home. An actual card will take up to two weeks to arrive at your primary residence. Reciprocity in Massachusetts. Currently, Massachusetts does not offer reciprocity out for out-of-state medical marijuana cards as it relates to purchasing the product at the dispensary. Having said that, they do offer reciprocity regarding possession of mar- medical marijuana re- within the state of Massachusetts. And another thing to add is, um, and we're going to put in the show notes, Maine and Rhode Island take Massachusetts cards. Maine has recently added Massachusetts to Maine's reciprocity agreement. And Rhode Island, um, I think since the beginning of this year or sometime last year, allows um, people to go to their dispensaries. Key operative word being visiting patients. So do not, br- do not bring your medicine out of the state or... Um, or use your teleportation technology to get from Massachusetts to to get from Maine to Massachusetts or to get to Rhode Island to Massachusetts. Use your teleporter if if that that that's what I'll say about that. Just use teleportation or use VR, whatever you gotta do. But I'm not I'm not condoning you break the law in your state or municipality or you break federal law. We're not condoning that on this podcast. But um but that's the rundown on how to get a card in Massachusetts. And um, we'll read one more thing right now. Um, and 
when you first get your card before you'd have to wait to get the temporary card. But, um, now, now you can just, once you go take your medical records to the marijuana doctor now, since July 1st, you know, they'll give you a paper that you can direct, take directly to the dispensary while you wait for your, 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 um, registration card to be processed. Patient information for initial access certification. What is initial access certification? Initial access. Commencing July 1st, 2019, initial access allows patients to buy medical use cannabis while the registration card is being processed and remains valid for 14 days. Initial access is only for new registrations that are still being processed. There are no changes to the policy on printing temporary badges for completed applications. Process for obtaining initial access. Patients must visit a clinician to get initial access. The clinician will print out proof for the patient. Patient must also use the registration portal to print out proof of initial access, which will note temporary patient registration. Initial access documentation and a government-issued ID must be presented to obtain medical use cannabis. The physician information and the sale will be recorded, and a physician may authorize a person to their temporary caregiver. Patients must complete the full registration process to get a registration card. Initial access may expire before the patients can print a temporary badge. Patients are encouraged to immediately submit their application to avoid gaps in registration. Excuse me. Clinicians include physicians, certified nurse practitioners, physicians assistants that are registered with the medical program. What patients need to know about initial access? Initial access expires 14 days after it is issued or when a patient is approved for a registration card, whichever is first. Patients are limited to one initial access during any 365-day period unless otherwise approved. Patients may receive a 14-day supply determined by 2.5 ounces of cannabis. A clinician may set different 14-day supply. Patients are required to comply with 935 CMR 501.0153 to obtain a registration card. Questions. If you have any questions, please contact Medical Marijuana at the state of Massachusetts at ma.us or 833-869-6820. And another thing I'm going to add before I go to the doctor section of this um, guide and, and, and this how-to is um, many, many times when people are renewing in Massachusetts um, or even getting their car for the first time, because like because the cannabis control board is not all that it can and should be and because you know medical cannabis isn't like the regulators are not really on the ball all the time you may need to call them if they're taking more than one or two weeks to process your stuff you may need to call them or you may need to send an email to them to push through your information if you feel that they're taking, if it's taking more than two weeks or so, I would, I would highly, highly recommend you call or you email, um, the cannabis control commission and you email these folks. And I'm also going to put some stuff in the, in the notes on that. So you have that as a resource in case there's a delay with your renewal or there's a delay with getting, getting the, the process going after two weeks. So right now we're going to go to the doctor section.
and the, this is these are the doctors you should check out once you get your medical records from your primary care physician certifying your condition. So once you get once you get your medical records from your doctor, go to these doctors. And as you can see, there's quite a few. I go to Holistic Center personally, and they're pretty good. Um, I um, when I, they were really helpful when I started the process, and um, all, and although they don't have telemedicine, where I can use a webcam or whatever to to talk to them or certify my condition, they do let me do my renewals over the phone, and um, it's very convenient because they're because. I don't always want to drive to the doctor every year that I have to renew. So holistic care, if you're holistic center, if you're near there is pretty good. And I, I check them out. And can care, I hear good things about too, but yeah, there's quite a bit. And, um, again, this is the elastic clause I was talking about. These are the main conditions, but the elastic clause allows other conditions as determined in writing by a qualifying patient's physician. So any other condition that a doctor sees fit or a nurse sees fit. And then weed maps and has, has some doctors and they list many of the same ones. And it works best when you list your city or your zip code. If you're trying to look for a doctor around your area in the state, because this is just Boston right here. But uh, yeah, um, I, I really hope you guys got a lot out of it. Um, there's going to be a lot of resources in the show notes. You know, if you're vi if you're vacationing in Maine or you're visiting a, a family member or friend in Maine, it might be worth checking out their medicine. Again, they're they're like the Colorado of the East Coast and they've been doing it the longest out of the New England states. And they have very good craft cannabis um retailers and caregivers and it's highly recommended you check them out and Rhode Island has some good stuff to do too their prices are cheaper so if you live in southern mass or whatever or 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 near the Rhode Island side of Massachusetts it might be worth your while to go to their dispensaries and if you're going to visit either Maine or Rhode Island always call before going always call to make sure they're going to accept your info because it's up to them to do it. And some, and it's, they have all the cards in that situation. And even though it's legal in their state to take your state, your, your card, they're not by any means obligated to do so. So always call ahead of time. Call before you come always. And, um, I hope you guys got a lot out of this. So I, I, I hope this helped you. And he gave a, an excellent response, and I really appreciate him, Mr. Hawkins, taking the time to do the Ask Me Anything and answering our question for the podcast. So I'm going to give, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to add on to what he said, which was on the money and he nailed it. Um, I guess the best way that we convince our family members, our uncles, our aunts, our moms, our, our grandmoms, our, our grandfathers, our you know, our friends, our colleagues, our cousins, the best, the best, or even our enemies, I guess the best way that we, we do this is, you know, you know, the best way to do it, to get to sort of, to sort of appease their apprehension, I guess, is, um, 
you know, we can we can we can encourage our family members or the people we know to just call their represent or elected officials. And, you know, I mean, I've 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 called my elected officials and my 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 state senators, my my person in U.S. Congress. And I've I've let my issue and my my, my uh, beliefs be known to them and um, in calling them. You can just. I mean, when you call them, they ask, they, they, they ask your name. They ask, you know, whether or not you live in their district. And then, and then they let you sort of speak your piece. But, you know, when you call them and when you talk about or when you get your family members or people to, to advocate for this, you know, you can just, you can just tell them that, you know, that they're a concerned citizen that cares about the social justice aspect of, of, of making marijuana legal. They care about, you know they care about alleviating suffering for those that they know and you know you know releasing people for 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 using this med- medical plant i mean again like i've said previously you know when 50 years from now when i'm wicked old and probably close to dead or dead you know my grandkids are going to look at this era that we had prohibition as you know locking people up for believing the 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 earth goes around the sun it's the same it's the same darn thing it's uh, that it's it's the copernicus movement for our generation it's a copernicus syndrome for our generation you know we're locking people up for fucking common sense you know and um obviously when talking to your reps you know you know be polite and you know be you know you know, be nice and and all of that, but um, but you can just tell your your relatives and the people you know, hey, you know, you can just tell them that you can just have you you can just tell them when they call that you know I want to keep my my name under wraps. I don't want my name associated, or I don't want it. I don't want it spread that I believe in this or whatever. If if people still have sort of cold feet about it, but yeah, I mean. I guess call, I would say calling reps and calling your people in Congress is, or getting the people you know is key. You know, they don't have to sign a petition and put their name on it. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to go to pot rallies or whatever or, or could participate in 420 or even smoke it. But, you know, getting those you know to call their reps is really going to go a long way. So right now I'm going to read a vaporization guide from the subreddit um vaporants you know i mean i know that um reddit can be unsavory it can be sexist it can be you know it can be a fucking sewer sometimes but you know if you know how to use it wisely and you know how to scope out constructive subreddits like like the vaporants one with this guide and with some resources you can really you can really get a lot of useful knowledge and a lot of useful things from it. So I'm going to read this guide. And um, after I read the guide, I'm going to enclose a video um, that I'm going to enclose a video from a YouTuber that that talks about some good vapes you should check out. So after that, that'll be the end of the episode. But um, yeah, let me just read the guide right now. I'm going to enclose all these resources in the show notes as well, too. So, okay, so the new Vapor's Guide. Um, so the basics. How does vaporization work? Vaporization works by cooking the cannabis rather than burning it, avoiding the production of smoke, 
and its acrid, toxic constituents. By heating the herb short of the temperature of combustion, the THC and the other cannabinoids are evaporated into a thin mist for inhalation while the fibrous plant matter is merely browned. Different vapes achieve this by different methods. There is convention where the air is heated by a hot element or heat exchanger and forced through the plant material, either by being drawn by the user's lung power or pushed through by a fan. There is conduction, which works by using direct contact of the heating elements with the herb, like cooking on a skillet. Another method is hybrid heating. This will utilize convention and conduction. Your herb can get heated in standby from the conduction oven or radiative heat from the convention heater. Simultaneously, it can get heated when you inhale. Most hybrids have may have different ratios of convention and conduction. Some may emphasize con- convention more, while others may focus on conduction. How are they used? So vaporizers offer a lot of different ways of usage and can give various styles of hits when used. The most common delivery method when vaping is a direct draw. This involves inhaling straight to the vaporizer either through the mouthpiece, stem, or with a whip. Vaporizers can also be connected to most bongs or bong slash rigs or water pipes for for either bigger draws or smoother cool down hits. There are also vaporizers that can use bags to capture the vapor. So think the volcano vaporizer, which is like think like last time I checked it was like five hundred bucks. But uh but yeah, I mean I digress. So let me continue reading it which users can then inhale from the pass or, or pass around in the group. There are a lot of different, there are a lot of different factors that control how the hit feels when vaping. Most vaporize, vaporizers likely have a different pull with the inhale speed or the vapor production at different rates. The easier, the easiest way of thinking about it is that some vapes can pull like joints while others can hit like pipes. You might not initially prefer the resistance with your first vape or even know which vape's resistance is too much or too open for you. Portable, plug-in, or butane. Vapes can be powered in many different ways. Some vapes are even capable of using more than one source of power. The most common vapes are portables, and these are normally powered through battery or butane. Battery-based vaporizers normally use... 18650s or have internal non-replaceable batteries these are normally these are normally looked at for the for for on-the-go uses or as salt devices however the majority of electric portables don't deliver the same amount of power you find from plug-in or desktops or match the group group experience butane based vaporizers are commonly referenced as portables but normally don't have stealth in mind. Most prefer a small torch lighter instead of a soft flame, like the Bix, like from the Bix, which has been known to produce soot. The vaporizers aren't so power limited like the vaporizers, which can deliver hits rivaling desktops. Plug-in or desktop vapes are the vaporizers that need an AC outlet or stationary power source, so they they are often chosen for home use. There are also there are they are also normally bigger than portable vapes, offering big bowls, cooler vape pads, and consistency with power. Most vapors st- still end up using portables, butane, or battery at home, 
So don't think you have to be forced into a plug-in or dedicated unit. Session versus on-demand. Session vapes may have an automatic heater and and prefer you keep the vape running so it can slow roast the bowl over time. The majority of Session exclusive vapes are battery-based portables, primarily hybrids and conduction models. Some desktops do have some lower max temps resulting in forced Session experiences. On-demand vaporizers are intended to have you in control of when the heat is applied, either by inserting or taking the stem bowl out in order to use the vape or by pressing a button in order to activate the heater. These are often quicker extracting vaporizers using convention. Only a handful of conduction, con, conduction vaporizers is going to be on-demand. On-demand would be most beneficial feature if stealth is your concern. Just because a vaporizer is flagged or continuously referenced as on-demand doesn't mean it can't stretch your bowl out into a session. On-demand vapes are perfectly capable of providing a great session experience. Note, session and on-demand are normally referenced as extraction rates along with a way of using the vape. Session vapes have slower extraction rates, relate its speed, and use to use a joint slash blunt. On-demand vapes have faster extraction rates, related speed, and re- relative to speed, and used to a pipe slash bong. So prices to expect. The market has improved significantly, and the prices are a lot more varied than they were in the past. Things are definitely still in tears but consider you can now get more satisfying a more satisfying vape for less budget so the 25 to 60 dollar range this is a tight budget and you're really not giving yourself a lot of options for a quality reliable unit you will find many desktop slash plugins at this price range you no, you will not find desktops slash plugins at this price range but be cautious of most battery-based vapes in this range as well. They may use inferior materials or designs with non-isolated air pads. The most reliable vaporizers within this price range are going to be butane-based vaporizers. The electric units are more likely to be conduction-focused. Low end. This is this is referenced as a type as as a tight budget, but you can still get a lot of brands and vaporizers as options, but there isn't going to be much variation in design. If you want a desktop plug-in vape, it's probably going to have to be purchased and use as much as desktops. Don't start under $110. At these prices, you will most likely find a battery-based conduction vape and the entry-level hybrid vapes. This is still going to be, there's still going to be a lack of quality for material choices and design. Expect these vaporizers to work constantly, but not have any outstanding features or performances. Mid-range, $110 to $180. Around these prices, you are going to have better performing vaporizers to choose from. You will also have some desktop plugins available as options. Towards the lower pricing range, Electric portables will still will still be focusing on conduction and hybrid heating. The high price range will introduce more convention-oriented units. You'll notice that vapes in this range are more common to have a gimmick or noticeable trait. 
Often you will find stealth-oriented portables overpriced rebands in this range. So be wary of these vaporizers. Normally get a lot of interest at headshots or form or from bloggers, but more often than not, are in ideal choices for the price. High-end $180 to $250 plus US dollars plus. Vapes can get really expensive, and there are often notable differences between each tier, especially the high-end tier. These vapes normally boost boast better materials, resulting with much cleaner flavors and fewer chances of any health issues. The most expensive vapes are prim primarily desktop vapes, but there are a few portables that reach these prices. And just because you spend on a high-end vape, doesn't guarantee it's a good vape, nor does it increase its chance, your chances of liking vaping. Similar to the mid-range vapes, the high-end units may also have features that seem like a gimmick. These traits on high-end vaporizers are normally more thought out for their purpose and operate better than their mid-range counterparts. Note, you will notice that some users have many high-end vaporizers, but still end up using their budget or low-end vapes more. The tier system is not an exact science, and some vaporizers can give high-end performances even though they are low-end or budget. Alternatively, you can have high-end or mid-range vapes that give low-end experiences. If you have a high budget, don't limit yourself to thinking you need to spend a lot of money. So lastly, so lastly, the last two sections. So what will the high be like? This really depends on the user the general consensus is that vaping is 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 not as intense as smoking and can be more cerebral than physical in terms of effects a benefit of vaporization is temperature control which can give different results for the high based on the temperatures used normally lower temps give more cerebral focus while higher temps can give them give the body effects you can definitely you can definitely work your way up in temperature to get more more of a full spectrum, but if you find a body high was your goal, just starting at the higher temp rather than the lower will give you stronger body effects. Does vaping smell? Not only does vaping smell, but vaporizers themselves can retain a smell as well. Compared to smoking, it is a night and day difference, but there is still an, or an odor. Vaporizing does, does not stick to the environment as strongly as soak, so it can be quickly masked or will dissipate from the area if there's airflow. For minimal smell, convention and on-demand vaporizers tend to be the easiest to manage when in use. Unless the mouthpiece and air inlet are sealed, consider that most vapes are going to smell when loaded and just sitting there. If you want to reduce the smell when vaping, whether it's for your housemates or family or just to maintain a fresh smelling environment, there are a few items you can use for this. A spoof for handheld air vaporizer like a smoke buddy is a common starter item when you need something small and quick to help reduce the odor. There are tubes which, with activated carbon and sometimes a vagrous filter. You will exhale a vapor through them and the carbon absorbs, absorbs a lot of the odor. Using a tube or dryer sheets is not a solution or alternative to a real spoof. A better option and more direct replacement to the spoof would be an actual air purifier. This, these can vary a lot in price and features. Consider the square footage or where you're vaping, not your entire home or apartment. 
purifiers can be pricey, but if you want it for reducing smoke order in a single area, you may not have to spend too much. Besides using carbon-based items for odor absorption slash removal, there are so many other things that can be used to mask the smell. If you are attempting to mask the smell and you cannot open a window or get a carbon filter, the smell or odor may take longer to fade away or be removed. Masking smells is not the same as reducing smells. Common items for small masking are candles, incense, scented room sprays, essential oil diffusers, re-diffusers, and fragrance lamps. Note, cannabis smells, grinding, or having herb out in the open may actually smell even worse when you are using the vape. So, that sort of wraps up that guide from the Vaporance subreddit. Um, another, like, um, benefit I want to sort of emphasize of vaping is that, you know, vaping can be, like, once you, you get a vaporizer that's in your budget, you know, it's, it's very, it's very awesome to, to vape because, like mentioned before, it's, it's a night and day difference over smoking your herb. And if you're the type of person that, um, that doesn't that doesn't like smoking it or you live in a state like like let's say Pennsylvania where they allow you to have flour but your smoking is prohibited and you can use you can lose your medical marijuana you know card for doing so you know getting a good vape like the ones mentioned is going to be very essential for you and you know if you live in a state where you can't smoke it and have flour you know and are 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 okay with smoking it Another added benefit of vaping is that you can you can vape your marijuana you and after you, you after you vape you can you could take the 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 vaporized marijuana or the already vape bud like a lot of people call it you could take that put it in a pipe or a bowl or a bong and you can smoke it so it's like you're getting to smoke your you're getting to use your weed multiple times and this could this could save a lot of money if you're on a budget so you know it's invaluable if if you know you have a tight budget and you know you don't want to spend you don't want to be buying ounces every month you know i've had i've had occasions when i've used my vaporizers and i i've made an eighth last like 2 months you know, it's not like that anymore. I, 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 my eighths, my eighths tend to last about two, three weeks, which is, I mean, I would say pretty light compared to most users. But, you know, if you're the type of, depending on your health condition or depending on your recreational use, you might, you might be using a lot more than that. And, you know, vaporizing, you know, it's going to pay dividends because you can save money this way. And especially if you live in a state like Pennsylvania where, you, you know, smoking is prohibited, you know, this it's key that you have a good, reliable vaporizer that works and that gets you the effects you want. Um, I mean, I know that, I mean, I, I mean, I know that like when I vape, like it's a very sort of cerebral high, like they say. And, um, you know, it's not ideal for me when I, um, you know, when I try to treat my insomnia, but, you know, when I'm just out and about during the day, you know, vaping is pretty, you know, it's a pretty cool and sort of mellow sort of high. It's more cerebral than anything, but, you know, when I need to go to sleep, you know, what I would do or what I usually do, I, I, I vape it first. I get that cerebral sort of high. I vape it. I have a couple of sessions and then 
after I'm done, I take that already vape bud and then I smoke it and then I get that body high I need to fall asleep. So if you have insomnia, that's, that's one technique you can try, you know. Um, so like I said, I'm going to enclose a video or, or a clip from, from a, a, a YouTube resource that I saw. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to cite it at, in the show notes as well too. And that, that can provide additional resource for you to find a, a good and reliable vaporizer if you're, if you're in need of one. And again, I mean, I feel like, you know, I feel like what gets left out in the discussion of, of medical marijuana is, is pricing and, you know, how to get the most bang for your buck. I mean, like, I mean, because marijuana is a schedule one narcotic, your insurance doesn't cover it. So any, any way that you can save money, which I, I don't feel a lot of podcasters sort of highlight, you know, how you can be budget conscious. So any way you can save money by using vape, already vape bub, bud and, you know, smoking it after you vaped it a couple of times, you know, it's going to stretch your money and it's going to stretch your budget, you know, cause I mean, I know in like, I know in like a lot of states, I know in like New Jersey, it's still, you're still paying several hundred dollars for an ounce of, of, of marijuana. And I know here in legal Massachusetts, you know, we're, we're slated to have, um, dispensaries open, you know, in the next week or two or the next couple of weeks or at least by the end of this month. But even as a medical patient here, you know, if I wanted an ounce, which I, I mean, at, at this moment, I have other, financial constraints i mean i i can't afford a 300 dollar ounce you know I, I can't do that you know that's 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 pretty much a car payment so i get i get eighths when i can and i, I stretch the budget by by vaporizing you know so I'm, I'm i'm sure that this can help you if you're in if you're the type of frugal consumer of can medical cannabis so i guess that wraps up today's episode of the podcast Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at I am Cannabis Sativa 1S. Also check out our website at IamCannabisSativa.com. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Anchor FM, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. And feel free to rate and review us on iTunes. Rating and reviewing us bumps us up on their algorithm and gets this project that we're trying to do basically you know, the I am cannabis sativa podcast and basically just medical marijuana for regular ass people. It, it gets this project in front of more people that need it. And I know in, in states that are just starting, like, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, Missouri, you're, you know, this is, this is very new to you guys. You know, it's going to be very new to a lot of people in, in, in Utah. They just legalize for medical purposes too. So, you know, if, if you're the type of person that doesn't want to smoke or doesn't want to smell and wants to save money because when, when when medical rolls out it's not it's going to be pretty pricey depending on your market so it's going to be in your best interest to sort of vaporize if if to invest in a vape vaporize and, and sort of recycle your weed when whenever possible so again that, that sort of wraps up this sort of segment on vaporizing um, I think next episode we're going to feature some, some tips on how to use this already vape bud to make capsules. Cause you can also do that as well. If you, if you don't want to vape, you can, you can make capsules out of your vape bud and we'll go over that next episode. So as always, everyone stay medicated, my friends.
Hey guys, it's Sneaky Pete here, and today I'm coming to you from the beautiful backcountry around Hope, BC. I absolutely love this area. It's amazing for hiking, camping, all that kind of stuff. And it's a great spot to pull over and talk about vapes. So today I want to do something fun. I want to go over 10 vapes. I'm going to do each vaporizer in 30 seconds. It's not going to be a review on each vape per se. It's just when I get this vaporizer in my hands, what do I think? What thoughts come to my mind? Camera's ready. Here we go. So the first one is the Fury 2 by Healthy Rips. This is an awesome little vaporizer. It's really inexpensive. That's one of its best assets. But its other best asset, I would say, is as a micro doser. I use this with the water pipe attachment, and I just rip this through water. It's a really good vaporizer for somebody who likes to use it like that. I would recommend maybe upgrading from the plastic mouthpiece. I don't love that thing. But, you know, it hits all the boxes. It has good battery life, single degree temperature adjustment, and definitely one I would recommend. So the next vaporizer is the DynaVap, in particular the OmniVap Titanium. This is, you know, a bunker vaporizer. You can heat this up with pretty much absolutely anything. It hits all good categories. I mean, it has good flavor, has good efficiency, uh, looks really cool, a lot of variety as well. They have the ever-popular DynaVap M, which is a really good vaporizer for someone who's just getting into it. But lots of people end up upgrading to something like the Titanium model. It's the one I would go to, but, you know, of course it's the most expensive in the lineup. Now the next one is the PAX-3. And the PAX-3 I take with me all the time when I'm looking for a travel vape. One thing that's nice about it is that it does concentrate and dry herb now. It's not amazing for concentrate, but I think it's totally passable. You also get a full oven pack lid and then a half oven pack lid. I keep this one in almost all the time, but it's really easy to take with you. It has good battery life and you can fit a good amount in the oven. So it makes it a great vape to take with you when you're on the go. Now next is the Ghost MV1. And this is a heavy hitter. This actually won my heavy hitter of the year award last year. And it has absolutely amazing flavor. It's full convection, so you get that really strong effects, really strong flavor I went over. But you get pretty good efficiency. I find it requires stirring to get best efficiency. The app, I mean, it didn't do anything crazy for me. You know, I see this as a device that doesn't really benefit from the app all that much. But it is a vaporizer I go back to time and time again for the on-demand convection power. Now, the next vaporizer is the Firefly 2. This is one I've kind of, I don't want to say fell out of love with because it is a great vaporizer. has amazing materials. It's really easy to clean, easy to keep clean. Um, for concentrate, it does perform really well. Performs well for dry herb as well. The only reason I can't give it top marks is I find that it gets sticky faster than most vapes and you have to stir it to get the best efficiency. And it just ends up being a little bit messy. But for true connoisseur flavor, this is good for dry herb or for concentrate. Now the next one is the Flowermate V5. I'm just dropping these, V5 Nano. And this is a really good vaporizer. Another entry level vape from Flowermate. Has an internally stored glass mouthpiece. Screws right on top here. Black ceramic oven, single degree temperature adjustment, removable battery, like you name it, this vaporizer has it. And it's at a super affordable price. So Flowermate has made some solid vapes, but this actually looks nice and it has, you know, single degree temperature adjustment. It's a really good choice for an entry level vape. Now the next one is the Solo 2. This is a venerable classic at this point. I mean, it builds on the lineage of the Solo, but this is a vaporizer I just can't recommend enough. The battery life is super long. It doesn't have a replaceable battery, but I mean, you can get such a high amount of sessions out of this. It's kind of a moot point. 
has the external glass mouthpiece here. Some people aren't gonna like this. It makes it a little bit worse for travel, but still I just load these up, put the stem cap on and load it in here. You get amazing flavor and it's easy to use as can be. Now the next one here is the DaVinci IQ. This is another vaporizer I take with me all the time for travel. It's a full conduction vaporizer. It has some innovative features though. It has the pearl here. This helps to give you a more even vaporization for your bowl. And then up here, you have the flavor chamber. You can fill that with herb. You can put a piece of herb in there and just run vapor through it and it's gonna get a little bit stronger over time. It has an integrated stirring tool, which is cool as well. And you get two different mouthpieces. This one you can use with a 10 millimeter water piece and this one I keep on here most of the time. Now the next one is the Airizer Go or the Argo. This is like the Solo, like the Air, you get a very similar experience, but in something that's infinitely smaller. It has an internally stored glass mouthpiece. So the little pop top just goes up and down to protect the glass mouthpiece here. Has a full glass air path, full glass stem. You can fit quite a bit in here as well. Load that up just like that, protect it. This one goes in my pocket a lot because I love having the glass mouthpiece for something this size with this portability. And then our final vaporizer is the Sticky Brick Junior. And this is really a vape that got me into butane vaporizers in general. You heat this one differently than with a Dynavap, you inhale the direct butane heat. And so you get the throat feel that really tells you when to pull it back, when to push it in a little bit more. But this vaporizer gives you full convection heating, amazing flavor, and just absolutely unreal efficiency. The bowl just goes and it goes and it goes. There's also a water pipe adapter for this so you can use it with your favorite water piece, which is a great way to go with those just massive hits you can get from it. So there you go, guys. Whew, I gotta catch my breath here. That was a lot of talking, fast and furious, but uh, I hope you had some fun there. I hope you learned something about a vaporizer and uh, all these vaporizers that I cover in this video, I have a full review on it. So if they are of interest to you, go ahead and watch that full review and get some more information on it. Hope you enjoyed this video. Thanks for watching as always. Keep it green, keep it sneaky, and we'll see you next time. Howdy y'all, Dan Scotland here, joining you from Legal Massachusetts, the heartland of America. So for today's episode, there's something I wanted to sort of bring up. Um, so I'm going to put a clip from our one of our bigger episodes that we did last year, that we did in December, where we interviewed Chia and Jamie from Mendocino Generations. And I asked for Jamie's advice on how to grow cannabis for the first time. So if you're in like a legal state or um, you live in Illinois where home grow just became legal for medical marijuana patients, where now they can grow up to five plants for medical purposes, I, I asked for his advice on, you know, how someone would go about doing home uh, a successful home grow if, it's, if it's their first crack at doing it and what mistakes and what pitfalls to watch out for when doing it. So I'm going to put that clip and then we'll return back and I'll read an article from I'll read an article from Leafly about sourcing seeds and genetics. So without further ado, let's get to that. Like, let's say, let's say um, I, uh, as you know, I live in like Massachusetts, which is also a, a legal state. And um, so let's say like I'm, I'm in a new legal state or I just, I just, manage to get property where I can grow my own cannabis if I'm sort of like try if I want to grow like three or four plants for the first time or so 
Like, what advice would you have for people like that? Yeah, so if you're going like three or four plants for your first time, I'd say like to find some good genetics that you know work well in your particular area and your particular microclimate. See, you know, if you can find out what other people have been doing that kind of works works well there, you know, and see if you can get some clones or some seeds from that. Um, keep your plants healthy, you know, put them in some really good quality organic soil. Um, you need to stay really on top of watching out for pests. And if you're going from clones, you should really make sure they're they're clean from the get-go. Of course, everybody that's going to sell you some clones is going to say that they're totally clean, but I think it saves a lot of trouble to do those inspections yourself. yourself. So like some of the higher-powered jewelers loops um, can really help you spot most most of the pests that are going to be on your plants. Um, but um, having a microscope too would be helpful. Um, you can always treat your plants with something when they when you first get them. So make sure that the that they're totally clean when they first start out, and you can treat them with something like you know sulfur. Sulfur sprays will kind of kill most of the pests that that are out there. There are some things that they don't work for, like the new cannabis aphid. It seems like also being called the bong or bang aphid. It doesn't seem like sulfur sprays really work on those at all, but a lot of the mites, it'll take care of the mites. Um, so treating your plants or your clones when you first bring them into your garden so all of a sudden it's not a big problem, it's not a huge infestation that you're trying to fight later is important. And then learning about your IPMs and like what if you're going to do is you have to pay attention to what sprays you're doing. Like you can't use sulfur and use oil or vice versa. You have to have a you have to have a certain amount of time in between those sprays, otherwise you can burn them. So like reading up and doing a little bit of research on how to treat your plants in regards to that would be really important. Um, also, a lot of pests tend to come in on nursery plants of other species. You know, like if you're bringing in um, some vegetables or some other flowers, make sure that those things don't get put next to your cannabis plants. Quarantine those, perhaps treat those as well. Um, there's also a lot of good places um, online that you can order beneficial insects from. So we tend to use a lot of beneficial insects and strategic sprays throughout the season. Um, so looking into that and seeing what beneficial insects maybe might eat some of the different mites that beneficial predatory mites that might eat a variety of the pest mites would be good to, you know, get a limited amount of those just in the variety to help keep the, uh, sorry, in the environment to help keep the the pest populations down. Um, One of the things that I see people doing um, most often, I think, when they're first starting out is really overwatering. Overwatering can lead to so many problems. And so learning to not overwater your plants because then different like nutrient issues are going to show up and you're going to be trying to diagnose your plant and thinking maybe it's dying, needs more water, and you're going to keep doing it and you're going to compound the problem. The plants really want to be watered and then they want to get the soil needs to become, you know, fairly dry, you know, not bone dry. It needs to be some, some moisture in there for sure, but letting... If you're going in pots, letting the pots, you know, get fairly light. You don't want to see your leaves really drooping. If you start seeing your leaves, like, start to droop a little bit, then you know maybe next time you need to water them a little bit sooner than that. But don't keep your pot saturated because that's going to really um, cause you more problems in the long run. Um, and don't overfeed your plants. A lot of the nutrients that are available out there, if you're going with 
some of the different liquids that you can buy. Like most of those things, I, I think that the the instructions, um, you can really cut down at least in half and just feed them about half of what it's asking for to be safe. Um, I've heard a lot of studies saying that you can, you know, cut them down by at least two thirds, and that's probably more like what the cannabis plant really wants. Um, but but just be careful about overwater overwatering and over fertilizing. And then as you know, your plants progress, you need to, need to really, um, if you're growing outdoors and you're getting kind of close to harvest, um, start really paying attention to the weather because if you have some really big, um, dense flowers out there and then you've got some rain coming in, you're getting kind of close to harvest and you don't have a way to cover those plants up, um, where you're getting a lot of really dewy nights and you're noticing in the morning the flowers are really wet. Um, that's a, that's a, um, it's a good chance that you're going to start seeing some botrytis. And so you can spend all this time loving up your plants and taking really good care of them. They're beautiful. And then all of a sudden at the very end, you can lose a lot of that. So paying attention to things like that is important. And then also in the drying and curing process, I think people should do some reading up on that. Make sure to, when you're drying, not to take things off too wet and put them away, seal them up in any way. Um, because if they're not really dry enough to put away, then all of a sudden, like you seal them up and you come back a week or so later and look in the bag and, or whatever you chose to seal them up in a jar, whatever you're doing, and you're going to find mold developing in there. And so, um, you can, you can go through all this stuff and then really, um, lose it all in the last, you know, couple of few weeks. Yeah, definitely. So, it, it, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so like attention to detail, like as as in like most yeah, really. in life is key. Yeah, yeah, and definitely continue to scout your plants throughout the season, you know, and make sure that you're not getting any infestations of any type of pest because like it's easier to treat them once you first spot them versus when like it's obvious and it's causing a lot of damage on the plants. Then it becomes really hard to treat. And we're back. So let's get to it. We're going to read that article like I talked about. A Guide to Buying Canvas Seeds by Pat Goggins, January 14, 2019. So this episode is geared primarily towards um, people in legal states that can legally home grow, as well as people in MMJ states that have the ability to do that too. Um... I know that dispensaries are not open in Missouri just yet, but people, if they own their own property and get the the qualifying certificate to home grow, you can home grow. But and um, but yeah, this is geared towards um, places where you have the ability to do that. And as always, you don't recommend breaking local, state, or federal or municipal law. So make sure that growing in your state is legal. The beginning of the new year is a great time to start planning your cannabis garden and to get a head start on the outdoor grow season, which roughly runs from March to November. Navigating the cannabis seed market can be challenging when states have different degrees of legality. This guide will answer your questions on buying seeds so you can be on your way to growing your own. To learn more about the seeds in general, check out the Leafly article on 
Cannabis Seed Basics. So I'm going to assume you already know that. Maybe I'll talk about that article in a previous in a future episode, but I'm going to start off assuming you already know how to get quality um, or just you already know the basics of, of cannabis seeds or whatever. But let's 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 get to let's finish this. Let's continue this article. Is it legal to buy marijuana seeds? Marijuana seeds are considered cannabis products just like flour, edibles, and concentrates. Their legality depends on which state you live in. People in states with adult use legalization can buy, produce, and sell seeds within their own state, but seeds can't cross state lines. People living in states with medical marijuana legalization can only buy seeds if they have a medical card. Seed banks exist outside of the U.S. and can sell them for souvenir purposes, but it is illegal to bring seeds into the U.S. and Customs will seize any canvas seeds that they find in packages or on a person. How and where do I get marijuana seeds? Many world-renowned seed banks are overseas in the Netherlands, the U.K., Spain, and other countries where cannabis laws are less restricted. Seed banks provide seeds from a variety of different breeders. In states with adult use legalization, you can buy seeds within your own state either at a dispensary or through a specific seed company's website. And another thing to also note, um, and this, this will get brought up again in the episode, but again, if you live in a legal MMJ state or adult use state that allows either adult use people or medical and or both to to grow their own cannabis oftentimes in many of these states you have sort of um cannabis cups or whatever where cannabis breeders cannabis um genetics are are being exchanged and you can find you know growers that grow very specific strains and that have genetics that they want to sort of sell or that they want to sort of distribute um so cannabis cups are often a good source of that stuff they they often have panels they often have um you know showrooms they often have you know vendors selling seeds and selling other equipment so cannabis cups can often be an invaluable source um like we talked about in our interview with the folks of Mendocino Generations. So just wanted to point that out there. Researching cannabis seeds online. Before you purchase seeds online, you'll need to figure out what strain you want to grow and what breeder you want to buy it from. Because the U.S. federal law still prohibits cannabis, it can be hard to find information on seed banks and breeders. Breeders who have a long history and positive reputation are usually a good place to start. To get an idea of well-established breeders look like, check out Europe, Sensi Seeds, DNA Genetics, Dynafem, Greenhouse Seeds, U.S. Southern Humboldt Seed Collective, exotic genetics you can also do some research and find an online grow journal that details the whole growing process of a specific strain from a particular breeder through th- these you'll be able to look over another grower specific notes and see pictures of the final results and if you grow some seeds and like the results try growing another strain from the same breeder and see how it grows or, or goes shopping at the dispensary 
Although this option is only available to people living in states with medical and adult use, buying seeds at the dispensary is far more straightforward. However, your options are more limited. Dispensary staff should be able to give you information on the seeds that they are selling, but keep in mind a lot of dispensaries focus on selling flower and end products. It is a good idea to call ahead and talk to staff to see if they are knowledgeable on seeds and can give you specific information on growing. Breeders talk about unstable genetics, meaning a seed's origin is unknown. Make sure that when you buy a packet of seeds that it or the breeder who produced them can list where the seeds came from, how they were crossed and back crossed and or back crossed or get the seed that you hold in your hand. If you can't get a seed's history, it could be anything and the result of poor breeding practices. An inexperienced breeder might cross a male and a female one time and sell the resulting seeds as a new hybrid strain, but professional breeders usually put their strains through several tri tries and, and rounds of back crossing to stabilize the genetics and to ensure consistent plants that reflect those genetics. What are the difference between regular feminized and autoflower seeds? If you buy a packet of regular seeds, they'll come with a mix of males and females. A lot of cultivators prefer to grow these because they haven't been back crossed, especially inbred as much as feminized or autoflower seeds. You'll need to sex out the seeds once their reproductive organs show during the flowering phase and discards the, the males because they don't in, produce any buds and will pollinate females resulted in seeded flowers. Feminized seeds. Seeds can come feminized, meaning you can just put them in the soil and start growing for buds. But these seeds are guaranteed to be bud producing females and growing them cuts out the step of having to sex out plants and discard the males. It also reduces the risk of having a stray male sneak into your crop. Just one male can pollinate a huge crop, causing your females to focus their energies on producing seeds instead of buds. Autoflower seeds. Autoflower plants change their vegetative to flowering state with age and not the changing of their light cycle. They have a short grow to harvest time and can be ready to harvest in as little as two and a half to three months from when you put the seeds in the ground. The downside is that typically they are less potent, but autoflower seeds are great for people who want to grow cannabis and don't want to spend a lot of time doing it. How much do marijuana seeds cost? Cannabis seeds usually come in a pack of 10 to 12 seeds and can start at around $40 a pack and go up from there. Some high-end genetics can run between 200 to 500 a pack. Feminized seeds and autoflower seeds will cost more because more breeding work was put in to creating them and they take less time for the grower to get buds. How many seeds should I buy and are they all going to survive? When you grow any amount of seeds, a percentage of them won't germinate, even if you get them from a reputable breeder. Always count on having a few not germinate or die off, or roughly two to four times the total you put in the ground. When growing regular seeds, some won't germinate and some will have to be discarded because they turn out to be males. When feminized autoflower see seeds, with feminized and autoflower seeds, some won't germinate, but a high percentage of them will turn into flowering pants. 
if you want six total cannabis plants to harvest buds when growing regular seeds, start with four times as many or 24 seeds. Some won't germinate and some will turn out to be males and then you'll want to discard them down to the six best phenotypes. If growing feminized or autoflower seeds, start with about twice as many seeds, about 12 in case a couple don't germinate and then discard down to the six best phenotypes. Make sure to always stay within your state's legal limit of growing plants. End of article. This was written by Pat Goggins. So again, um, I, I hope you guys got a lot out of this, um, especially if you're in states like Illinois that just made home growing for medical patients legal. And I believe that people can grow about five plants or so for medical purposes. And um, in Missouri, while you guys are still waiting for the dispensaries, as long as you get your cultivation paperwork in order, you can home grow as well too. And you know, if you own property, you know, you could save a lot of cash doing this. But if you want more expert advice on how to get a successful home grow or even a small sale grow that you might want to sell to a dispensary, um, I would check out the two episodes I did with Chia and, and Jamie of Mendocino Generations. They're, they're expert growers that have been doing this for a long time in the cannabis capital of the United States and hence the world. So, um, so you would get a lot more out of um, experts like that than me, but I'm going to put those two episodes in the description in case you guys haven't checked it out. And um, again, I hope you guys got a lot out of this. Um, like I said last year, I did, I did a poll last year talking about whether or not I should be doing more homegrown episodes. And the poll came out with people narrowly saying, yes, I should. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did those two episodes with Chia and Jamie of Mendocino Generations, you know, about, you know, about home growing or about cultivating cannabis for craft and personal reasons. So again, you'll get a lot out of that episode if you're looking to home grow, and I'm going to put that in the description. Again, I don't want to keep this episode too long. I hope you guys got a lot out of it. Peace out. Ciao. Stay medicated, my friends. If you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are quite a few ways you could do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am canvas sativa podcast slash support you can also support me now on patreon at www.patreon.com slash ic sativa podcast you can support the podcast for as little as one dollar a month we also have a five dollar and above tier if you are feeling extra generous additionally if you wish to get in contact with us you can leave a voice message on anchor and you can do this by going to h https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am canvas sativa podcast and click the send voice message button and i may just play it on a future episode you can also call and leave a voice message at 617-466-9389 and i may just play it on a future episode feel free to join the ever expanding i am canvas sativa podcast planet on discord we yes we've got a discord Discord channel and that Discord channel can be found at https colon slash slash discord dot gg greg greg slash 
T-H-E-T-T-P-S-6-5-T-G-2-N-R. Again, that is H-T-T-P-S colon slash slash discord dot G-G slash 6-5-T-G-2-N-R. Feel free to check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp-based products. You can check them out by the link H-T-T-P-S colon slash B-I-T dot L-Y slash 3-3-F-K-R-V-9. And you can enter the following coupon codes for extra discounts, such as Dog Treat 20, Tincture 20, 40% sign off ISO, 15% sign off CBD. And that applies to the entire store. And if you're in Northeast New England and you're in Eastern Massachusetts, especially, or or, um, Southern New Hampshire or Southern Maine, then you can get some great and inexpensive CBD flour delivered directly to your door very quickly. And you can do this by going to https colon slash slash shop dot boston empire dot com slash question mark ref equals d scotland and as always everyone stay medicated my friends peace out and ciao